The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. Now, you are a four-time author, and your most recent book is, as you mentioned, Cracking the Healer's Code, A Prescription for Healing Racism and Finding Wholeness. Now, in this book, you, you do talk about what you call race literacy. Now, how did you come to coin that term, and why is it so important for us now more than ever? Yeah, so um, I wrote a book in 2016 called... Um, um, I don't know, you know, it's sort of like, okay, which book is it? <laughs> um, it was my first book and it was called 11 Reasons to Become Race Literate. Mm. And, um, and I was looking for a definition for race literacy because that just sort of came to me. It's like, that's what it is. People are not race literate. They need to become race literate. And the only definition I found was um, someone did a research project in the UK mm -hmm. that talked about how um, people of the African diaspora in the UK had to teach their children how to survive. Uh -huh. And, and so that's, and they call that race literacy. Um, I have a completely different definition for race literacy. So I ended up creating my own definition and putting it in the book. Yes. And my definition is the knowledge and awareness of the history of race. So really understanding what is this history that we're talking about? Because yes. that's the institutional piece, right? Yes. Um, an awareness of, um, you know, just how race impacts us on mm -hmm. a regular basis yes. and how it affects everything, everything yeah. from yeah. housing to education, to hiring, firing, mentoring, uh, recruiting, like it, it, everything, it's everywhere. So having an awareness of the impact of how that history impacts who we are today and really understanding that we need to know what that history is yes. in order to be able to heal. So race literacy is the knowledge and awareness of the history of race, how one is acculturated into a racial caste system. Oh, yeah. The um, systems in the nation state that use race as a human divide mm. and the impact of all of the above on our current events and individual lives. So speaking of race literacy. Amen, sister. So speak more to that. I mean, we, many of us all know and have sadly experienced the negative consequences or the negative ways that race underlies, as you said, everything, not just on an institutional level and systemically, but also individually. Um, so we as a society are acculturated or conditioned to think and feel you know, some ways about others, whether it's about race or culture or religion, et cetera. 
But how do these, you know, conceptions or beliefs impact the quality of our own personal lives? And how do these misconceptions um, hold us back as individuals? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that um, I help people really get in touch with is what's going on in their bodies. Like I, I have this um, program that I do once a month and, and it's open to the entire community. We get people from different parts of the world that attend. Um, and in this monthly program, um, one of the exercises that I do on a regular basis with people, because we always have new people coming in, is helping people to, um, to experience where they are holding racism in their bodies, mm. regardless of the color of their skin. And it's, it's always interesting to me because very often it's white males who say, well, I did the exercise, but I didn't think I was going to find anything. Boy, was I shocked. Wow. You know? And it's just a simple exercise that your listeners can do. The exercise is you just kind of, kind of bring the awareness to your body and, and just take a nice deep breath and you blow it out. And you bring your awareness to your feet and you notice how your feet feel in your socks or in your shoes or on the floor, or whatever. And then you notice, you bring your awareness up and you notice how your seat feels on the chair or whatever. And you bring your awareness up further and notice how, you, you know, you bring your awareness to your face and your head. And then you bring your awareness to the center of your chest. Mm -hmm. And you notice how your heart is beating Notice how you feel in this moment. And then you just, without ever speaking the words, right? You simply say to yourself the word racism mm. times. And you notice after the first time and then after the second time, if there are any changes in your body, if you can notice anything in your body. And then I have people take a nice deep breath and blow it out. And then I have them um, become aware of, um, the word peace, again, silently, just saying to yourself the word peace three times. And notice if there are any changes in your body. And just about everybody can feel the difference between wow. racism and peace. Wow. And, and they can pinpoint where racism lives in their body. And most of them will tell you it feels like a block. Interesting. In their bodies. Mm -hmm. and But the word peace feels like it's something's radiating yeah open it's there's this openness right and so you know even if you think racism is only affecting those people over there it's mm. impossible to live in the system and not have it affect you because it's already living in your body ah and then the other reality is that racism is trauma yes and you know we now know the brain doesn't know the difference between you being the traumatized or the traumatizer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and, and, and we know that um, trauma gets passed down through epigenetics. Yes. And as a result of that, you know, I think that's why when white body people do that exercise, they're so surprised that racism lives in their body. You cannot traumatize, hear about trauma, read about trauma, of other people without you yourself being compromised and then passing that on to your lineage. Very interesting. That is why we all need to heal. Fascinating. Always. Fascinating. Because I honestly would have thought, Oh no, um, I have the, I have been, you know, the one who's been traumatized. And so the traumatizer, 
You know, there is no way that that traumatizer is suffering. But I do believe that the traumatizer is definitely lacking in some way because of the trauma that he or she inflicted. But interesting, I learned something that we are obviously all affected by the trauma, whether it is being given, inflicted, you know, on the receiving end, whichever. So yeah. if that is the case, and there's, that's another way that we are all in it together, regardless of race, culture, color, et cetera, we're all in it together. So how do we begin to crack this code so that, as you say, we can, we can begin to heal and transform not only our personal lives, but the lives of our families and our neighbors? Yeah. So the first thing that I tell people is you need to become race literate. You need to understand this history. This is not, uh, we cannot continue to segregate the history because what we call black history really is, is, is kind of the history of the way that white Americans treated black Americans. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's a reality. You yeah. Know? That's pretty um, straightforward. It's, yeah. It's pretty straightforward. And it's also the way that uh, Black people's history has been hidden from them their innovations, their inventions, and, yes. you know, all of these things that misappropriated and, in, you know, on and on and on, right? Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, so you, so you need to understand the history. You also need um, to be conscious about the way that you as an individual, have internalized racism. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, I always tell people that when it comes to racism, we speak three languages. There's the language of supremacy, colonization, and enslavement. And depending on where you fall in the caste system, that determines what language you are most proficient in. But we all know the languages, and especially people of color, we know the language of supremacy. Yeah. And when we hear it, we call it and we go, wow, that really sounded racist. Yes. You know, like, like the white bodied person may not be aware of that because they speak a different language. And in their vernacular, there's nothing wrong with what I just said. You right. know, being a, a, a grown man, a boy, they, they don't think there's anything wrong with that. And right. it's, so it's just the facts. That's just what they know. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, so just and, and that's where a lot of the microaggressions come from. Yes. It's the language piece because the macroaggressions are, you know, like that, yeah. that's the bigger stuff. Pretty right? obvious. Yeah. We, we all can agree on that one because it's pretty yeah. obvious. But it's these microaggressions that come out of the language of supremacy that, that if you are entrenched in that language, you think that saying these things is completely fine. Yeah. It doesn't sound bad. What's to the problem? Yeah, it sounds Why like you a think problem. so sensitive. Exactly. It sounds like a compliment to you from your side of the fence and through your filters, right? Yeah. Yeah. But through the filters of people who have had a different experience, they hear it differently. Yeah. It feels different to them in their bodies. Yeah. And you know, and so I tell people that we need to come together to heal as a as a community. You don't heal segregation with more segregation. That's just That's not right. gonna happen. Okay. Right, right. And so we all need to come together with the realization that we've all been misinformed. Yes. And we've been miscreating because we've been misinformed. Right. But if we come together um, and, and look at this as a human family problem. Yes. That we can actually solve. Because once we take responsibility and start working on it, peeling away the layers of the conditioned dysfunction, we begin to find ourselves. Mm. And what I always tell people is when you find yourself, people don't have to tell you to do the right thing. That's right. You just do the right thing because it doesn't feel right not to. 
Yes. You know, it's almost like you can't live with yourself if you don't do something. Right? Yes. And so, um, so, so we need to become race literate. We also um, need to understand that we're all going to make mistakes around this stuff. Right. You know, we, this is over 500 years of conditioning. Yes. And it doesn't go away overnight. I'd like it to, right. <laughs> but you know, but it doesn't. Um, and it means that we are all going to need to do the best we can and to put our best foot forward in order to be able to start dismantling this stuff. Yes. But if you don't understand that it's 500 years of conditioning mm. mm-hmm. that have created a condition, yes. then, then we keep arguing with each other and pointing fingers and talking about who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's bad, and we're not solving it. Right. You know? like That's not how we're going to solve it by accusing each other and pointing fingers, that we really do need to come together and have a new way of being educated Yes. so that we can understand ourselves yes. and each other. So how do I, what do I do to understand myself better and put my best face forward the next time I hear, oh, you speak so well, or, hmm, you have an interesting look. So when I hear that, which I hear it a certain way, it kind of, you know, grates on my nerves because there's a history of having heard things like that. So I process these statements as microaggressions, Um, but I'm sure the other person giving me the compliment, um, doesn't see it that way. So how do I put my best face forward, get to know myself, but also help the other person to understand where I'm coming from and perhaps where he or she is coming from? Yeah. And I love that you said, get to know myself, because really that that's the first place to start. I I think a lot of the problem with racism is that we want to change other people yeah, and we can't change other people. Okay. We have enough issues trying to change ourselves. Right. Also taking that on. Right. So it's, so you have to stop looking at, uh, at it as is the other person. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, what am I doing? What I only have control right here. What can I do in this moment? I just heard a microaggression. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling it in my body. So your body's trembling inside. Oh yeah. That's the other thing that happens is fight, flight, or paralysis. But if you can't do anything, right, Mm. and you're standing there and that's your boss that just made a comment and you feel like if you say anything, then your job is on the line, then your entire body is now being affected by what that person just said. Absolutely. Charge there, right? Yes. You need to discharge. So you may not be able to discharge with your boss, but you should go somewhere else and discharge. Where it's a ladies' room and you scream your head over whatever you need to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. In that moment, that's also a teachable moment. And in that moment, by taking personal responsibility, Mm -hmm. you might be able to change the conversation. Mm. And what, what that can sound like is, you know, you've said this to me a few times because usually that's what happens, right? Yeah. And we oh, just, yeah. I'm tired of hearing it. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you've said this to me before and every time you say that to me, I feel it in my body like an attack. Yeah. I understand that you're not trying to attack me, but I just need for you to know. Yeah. And I have a history that allows for this to feel like you're like, like an attack on me as a human being. Yeah. So let me just tell you why that is, mm. right? So it's a teachable moment. Now, let me also say, we black and brown folk, we're tired of teaching. <laughs> tired of teaching, Milagros. <laughs> I mean, I was just about to say, you're so <laughs> elegant and so gracious and graceful because I'd be like, okay, I'm done. 
yeah. with y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're tired of teaching. Tired. So here's what I tell black and brown folk. Look, um, you know, this issue is is like you're living in the house with somebody who has, um, let's say you're living in the house with someone who's an alcoholic, right? Mm, mm. The entire family is affected by their disease. The entire family, yeah. right? Yeah. So this is how it is with racism, okay? Yeah. The entire human family is affected. The 80% are affected by the 20%, yeah. okay, of the population. Yeah. And so so it's important for um, for us to understand that when it comes to this issue, it's okay to be tired as, you know, as we black and brown folk are. We, we're tired, right? Yeah. Exhausted. And so you need to pull back, get you some rest, mm -hmm. <laughs> and come back and get right back in it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if those folks don't get it, yeah. your black and brown children ain't never going to be safe. Yeah. Because they can just be walking down the street talking to their friends and somebody will call the police on them. Oh, yeah. And you could just, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so it's, it's and in both, right? Like being aware, being self-aware, doing your own work, understanding who you are, teaching your children who they are, all of those things, right? And at the same time, knowing that we're probably going to have to educate some folk, okay? Yeah. Because they don't see their stuff. Yeah. They don't see it. In fact, they have been trained not to see it. Yeah. So even when they're well-meaning and their hearts are in the right place, they don't usually know what to do simply because the training has been to ignore this right. because it doesn't affect them. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, you are better than I. <laughs> I'm going to need to work on that, Milagro, seriously. Yeah. Hey, like, seriously. I had to work on it. I told you when I first learned that, oh, yeah, well, those people are oppressed too. I'm like, oh, no. no Let me tell you how they are not, right? <laughs> and then, you, and then you, you begin to peel it back and you realize, well, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. When somebody else can tell you who you can and can't love, who you can and can't marry, who you can and can't, you are not free. This is so true. You are not free. And so, so as people begin to peel away the layers, they begin to realize that they have been living inside of a false self. Yeah. They themselves are enslaved. Oh, look at that. Another yeah. thing in common. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, 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 you know, you cannot enslave other people without you yourself being enslaved because you got to make sure they don't run away. Yeah. Very and then that becomes your job. And, and so, you know, and so you're looking out the window and you see, you know, these black and brown bodies walking in your neighborhood and you've never seen them before. They just moved in down the street. But you don't know that. In fact, no. you don't think they would ever dare to move in your neighborhood. Right. Right. So now what are you going to do? You're going to call the police because something's wrong here. Yeah. Something's wrong. And so it's that, that awareness of how and why people do these things mm. that, you know, it's it's sad to say. But as black and brown people, we see it. Yeah. They don't. They don't. Okay. Fine. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you insist. <laughs> if you insist. Now, in your 35-year experience, tremendous experience, what story do you think has had the most impact on you and your teaching? Um, it was the day that I, uh, I was in Catholic school and 
I wanted to be in the school play. And I was told that I couldn't be in the school play because all the major parts were taken. Mm -hmm. And the only parts that were left were parts for angels. And everyone knows there are no black angels. Oh, well, you are an angel, Milagros. And the work mm -hmm. that you do is, you know, as you mentioned in the, in the classes and the webinars that you teach, I mean, you do provide not only information, but transformation and inspiration. So the fact that you are so inspirational and so knowledgeable and so intelligent and, and ah, I just, I just want to hug you. You are an angel. So thank you for doing this very difficult and important work. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you are doing for the rest of us. Oh, much appreciated. I try. I try. <laughs> now you're a coach. Do you yourself have a coach? And wh so where does your cup get filled? Um, internally, I do a lot of meditation and a lot of yes. interconnecting. Yes. Um, all of my, pretty much all my teachings come from that inner place yes. um, of compassion and, and love for humanity. Sounds like you're a bodhisattva. Oh, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. I would love to someday be a Bodhisattva. <laughs> <laughs> We're all working on it. Trust, trust That's me. right. <laughs> and did you have any mentors in your career? You mentioned that Martin Luther King Jr., when he, he was brutally assassinated, that you were devastated. Um, other than MLK, did you have any other mentors in your career? Yeah, I, I absolutely love the work of Baldwin. So did my father, mm. actually, mm. which I think is so interesting. Um, and, and throughout, I've had a lot of teachers, but a lot of my teachers have been um, more um, spiritual teachers. A lot of my, my understanding comes from reading spiritual books and, uh, and the belief that we're here to love. Yeah. That's it. Everything else is superfluous. And anything that gets in the way of that doesn't really sort of belong in the picture, you know, yeah. <laughs> that it's always about finding a way to get back to love. So a lot of my teachers have been books for the most part. Yes, very wise, very wise. Now, the topic of races, obviously, it's heady um, and it's heavy. So we're going to shift a little bit to something a little bit lighter. Um, in order for you to uh, manage all these conversations and these teachings, do you have a well-being routine or wellness ritual that you like to participate in besides meditation to help you de-stress and decompress? Yeah, I walk a lot. Ah. <laughs> in the woods. Oh, nice. Yes. Being in nature. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Like that's, I, that's home for me. I yeah. just, the birds are singing and the wind is blowing and, yeah. and, and the gorgeous greens of the trees and, you know, and the artist in me loves color. Oh <laughs> just, yeah. I see that. <laughs> you are rocking that hot pink. It's well, fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> it's fabulous. Um, so, so yeah. Um, the other thing that I love is I love to dance. Yes. Just, you know, it's like, that's my thing. So. What's your favorite kind of music to dance to? Salsa. Ay. <laughs> baila, baila, bailar. Uh, bailar todo el tiempo. Sí, mami, sí. Yes. I love it. I love it. And um, so do you have a personal like skincare routine or beauty routine because you're glowing? Oh, thank you. Thank you're you welcome. so much. You know, um, I keep it really simple, but the one thing that I that I do every day, and I've been doing it, well, pretty much every day, I've been doing it for years. I use a buff puff ah, when I'm showering. So you exfoliate. I, I exfoliate every day. Yep. <laughs> okay. I do. Yeah, and and um, and I absolutely love it. And and of course, uh, moisturizer. 
Yes. Um, you know, on our skin, a lot of us tend to have dry skin. Yeah. And so moisturizer is is really important. Um, and and lately, it's so funny. Um, I have been using because you know I'm of a certain age, you know. Oh, and no, so, uh, no. <laughs> and so, um, so I noticed my eyebrows were doing funny little things. Like, where do my eyebrows go? <laughs> here? You know? And so I, you know, and and so I, I was just like, I'm missing quite a few hairs here. <laughs> and uh, and I started using just a little bit of uh, uh, castor oil. I love castor oil. It really does help for the eyebrows and the yes. eyelashes. And the eyelashes, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I actually just yeah. bought a, a castor oil, you know, serum for my eyelashes. Really? I oh, did. I seen those. I just use oh, regular, yeah. you know. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. On Amazon. I literally, it comes yeah. with a brush and everything. It's cute. Oh, mm -hmm. getting some. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it is just, it's, it's, I mean, it makes such a big difference. It's it makes a, it's a huge amazing. difference. So yeah. That, that castor oil is, you know, like generations old, yes. you know, yes. treatment for everything. Use it it's in like my hair. Panacea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Serious like, stuff. Like, the, the, other, stuff. the other day I had some chest, chest congestion and I told my mom and she was like, okay, you know what you do? You get some castor oil, you heat it up in a pan, not too hot, just a little warm. And then you rub it all over your chest and mix it, mix it up with some Vicks. Yeah, Vicks. <laughs> exactly. Vicks exactly. and castor oil. <laughs> I remember that. You know, oh, yeah. I regale my children with stories of my grandmother going out in the backyard and pulling yes. out a bunch of roost when you got yes. sick, you know, boiling it, tasted like poison, but you got better in 20 minutes. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. It won't kill you, but it'll definitely make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> but it tastes like it's going to kill you. I remember like they used to have you. to pinch my nose yes. and hold my feet. Yeah. You open your mouth and oh. they pour it. <laughs> oh, the stories. It I'm, sure, I'm sure we can. It we was can child abuse. <laughs> yeah. And in one way, it was. <laughs> Now, you're obviously a professional speaker, um, so shifting a little bit from beauty to fashion, and you obviously, you went to FIT. So what is your sort of professional fashion style, and do you have any fashion staples that you absolutely cannot do without? Oh, oh that's a really good question. So, um, you know, if, if we're going to talk fashion staples, I think, uh, first of all, I love jewelry. Yeah, I just you know I do. Yeah, right. Like there's something about jewelry, and um, and so for me, this is going to sound strange and a little different, but for me, one of my absolute fashion staples are earrings. Oh, yeah. I just I feel like I'm not really dressed if I don't have on a pair of earrings. I agree. Actually, <laughs> I feel the same way. Without earrings, it's like wait, something's missing on my face. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's great because it frames your face and yes. it does all and it also brightens. And if you wear just the right color combination, yeah. it yeah. brightens your eyes. It yes. just makes your eyes just just uh, pop. Yeah, absolutely. So uh so I do that. Um as because I am a speaker, I you know, I have a lot of well lately we've been doing everything over the internet, but I've always had um what I call professional clothing yes. that, um, that I wear. So I wear a lot of jackets, yes. um, you know, and, um, and try to keep things really simple. Yes. So I, that's why I do the, the jewelry. The jewelry. Yeah. I like it's, it. You know, I like very it. simple, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely love fashion and, 
um, I call it wearable wearable art and wearable sculptures, right? Yeah, I agree <laughs> with you. I, and you do it well. I mean, you showed Thank up today you. in this in this top. It's fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. Milagros, I am so absolutely honored to have had this conversation with you. And I am I'm very sad that this is the last question, but I'm also enthusiastic and, and very eager to hear what you have to say about the Fab Five. And that question is, what are your top five recommendations for living a beautiful, fabulously transformative life? And I will write these mm. down. Mm. So uh, number find, one, find your purpose. Mm. Everyone was born with a sacred purpose. Find yours. And, it, and it's usually rooted in something you love mm -hmm. or something that scares you a little bit, but you're curious about. You know, yes. and so find your purpose. Um, find something to love every day. Mm -hmm. Find something to laugh about every day. Okay. Stay in touch with the people that you love and that love you. Oh. And commit to being true to yourself, even when the rest of the world is going in a completely different direction. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, that just came out like, boom, boom, boom. Like, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> I live this. That's why it was easy. <laughs> you know what? That's beautiful. I'm so happy that you said that because it, it's obvious that you are living it and you are helping us to live a, a better life through your knowledge and everything that you said on this podcast and on your teaching. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very, very much. Milagros. This has been a gift speaking with you again. I don't know where I read about you, but I did. And I am so happy that after I read about you, I was like, I have got to talk to that woman on the podcast. <laughs> so thank you for your time, your beauty, your grace, your insight, and your words of inspiration. Thank you mm -hmm. so very, very much. Thank you so much for inviting me to spend this time with you and your audience. It's been I a pleasure we'll and an again. honor. Most Thank definitely. Work, <laughs> the, I presume you know the work that you're doing will be a work in progress for many of us. So yes, we'll have many other conversations in the future. Thank you. Wonderful. This brings us to our close of this week's episode of the Forever Fab Podcast with my illustrious guest, Milagros Phillips. Are you ready to get lit? That is literate on race. <laughs> Take a step towards transformation to help improve your relationships and your own life, as well as the lives of others. Visit milagrosphillips.com and sign up for a course or a webinar. Also, check out Milagros on social media at The Race Healer. As always, if you love this episode of the Forever Fab podcast, please share it and subscribe to the feed. Listen to past episodes or check out who's coming up next on foreverfabpodcast.com. If you enjoy listening to the Forever Fab podcast and you want more, get more audio and visuals with a membership through Patreon. Choose the gold, platinum, or diamond tier for premium added content, special co-hosts, lifestyle videos, branded merchandise, and maybe even private access to my clubhouse by visiting patreon.com slash foreverfab. If you're a founder or you represent a beauty brand and you want to be featured on an episode of the Forever Fab podcast segment of 15 Minutes of Fab, send me some stuff. Visit foreverfabpodcast.com and fill out the contact form. 
for general holistic beauty tips or to set up an appointment with me to discuss your personalized options for leveling up your beauty, visit elementsandgraces.com and sign up for my newsletter or just give us a call. And for an online e-consultation on time, anytime, and on your time, visit clicklift.com for your wellness, plastic surgery, beauty, and wellness questions on the go. That's click, C-L-I-C-K dash lift.com. It's time for the elevated house call. Jet Set Beauty RX offers beauty on-call services near your home or other domicile, delivering beauty in the privacy of a medically equipped mobile aesthetics unit. Reserve your appointment at jetsetbeautyrx.com. Thank you for listening to this week's Forever Fab podcast episode. Until next time, stay beautiful and fabulous inside and out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.